Oh, yeah. We're going to take a bite out of crime this week. Oh, yes. Remember the crime dog? Frank mentioned him a few weeks back. McGruff. Oh, when I was in radio, we still had to play a lot of public service announcements. And, yeah, uh, among them was McGruff, the crime dog. Oh, man, public service. Well, that's a whole other topic, but wow. And, uh, yep, yeah, sometimes uh, they tried to keep you out of trouble and out of a life of crime, especially that there was a lot of PSAs about drugs. And, of course, drugs make you a criminal uh, in our uh, parlance and culture, at least. I don't know. But uh, that's not why we're here. We're here to talk about crime, maybe some punishment, uh, Dostoevsky. Hey, anything is possible because we have for our ears to enjoy Chad Bowers, Dave in Kentucky, and Frank Edward Nora, stalwart hosts of the Overnight Scape Underground and uh, this year thing, which is about, well, we are. I mean, we can call this the 12th anniversary episode of the overnight scape central it's close enough i think we're kind of like a week early or something it was like november 10th uh, in 2010 but uh it, it's close enough and who next we're not even going to talk about next week because i will be producing the show the day after a certain uh election which at this moment is forthcoming but uh i would imagine most of the time that this recording exists it will be farther and farther in the past and i mean i was just thinking uh, of all the talk radio i used to listen to in 1987 and then i kind of glommed on to how long ago 1987 was yeah Anyways, crime is the topic, and to get the ball rolling, let's hand it all over to Chad Bowers. Well, Michael Harrell, 50-year-old, the guy, he's out there in August, you know, driving through banks. You know, banks have the teller machines, like the old fortune teller devices, mechanical-operated this bank in Cleveland he was trying to get some cash out you know the old-fashioned way taking it out with a gun and a note so he handed this note over but what Michael Harrell uh, I guess failed to understand was that the note he'd taken out of his pocket and written with the borrowed pen well it was the back of his uh, Bureau of Motor Vehicles registration from Ohio so it has a name and address and all that on it so the lady handed him a few hundred dollars you know and uh called 911 and they kind of took their time and you know went over to his house the next day and just were like hey you're under arrest kind of funny uh I like it do you know uh, do you know about that guy in Kansas what happened it was last November. He was out there driving around and stolen SUVs. Now, he was going to bail out his brother from jail. Because his brother, earlier, the same day, 
had been arrested for stealing a separate SUV. <laughs> so anyway, they caught the first sibling earlier. That's 36-year-old Eric Dean McCracken. He was arrested for driving a Chevy Trailblazer while having a suspended license. They then learned that, uh, that the car had been stolen. Now, a few hours later, his uh, younger brother, 32-year-old Keith Ray McCracken, was arrested for leading deputies on a short chase in a stolen 2015 Chevy Silverado. Why do they keep stealing these, uh, these Chevy trucks? They should try uh, something else, you know. They get a, a Tesla. Did you know that uh, that if you bought a Tesla, because of the uh, the 500,000 uh, tons of rock, dirt that had to be moved to get the uh, the lithium and other cobalt and stuff required for the battery, did you know that just after uh, 60,000 miles, you would start saving, uh, you know, some environmental pollution. That's pretty interesting. I saw that guy, uh, Geraldo Rivera, look alike, talking to me about that. John Stossel, some, you know, old 2020 motherfucker. <laughs> you know how the children, you know how the children speak these days. They're always saying that. But these boys just kept stealing these Silverado trucks, uh, you know, cheap ass trucks. You know, they're stealing something. Maybe they're stealing it for work, but I have kind of a sneaking feeling that the the work these two did probably amounted to going to the mailbox uh, and perhaps perhaps playing some video games. South Carolina police. You know, they got a police department out there in South Carolina. South Carolina police in June, they charged a woman in Wahaba with public intoxication. After finding her, cruising down the road in a silver Power Wheels kid's truck not far from her home, they asked her what she was doing, and she made off that it was all part of a scavenger hunt. And this is a part of her becoming a professional wrestler, just like her father had been. And this is how we do it. Well, three women... Uh, apparently didn't get that concept in August when they were caught on camera allegedly stealing a baby stroller from a New Jersey store. Now, they were only ousted later because one of them left their kid inside the shop. And the kid, unfortunately, you know, knew who he was. And that doomed the, uh, the thefty mom to a life of being known as a stroller thief. Middletown store up there in South Carolina. Despite the stresses of this, uh, you know, what is it called? NATO uh, World War Three, the uh, mandatory movement of funds and weapons to all manner of groups, billions of dollars. It's, it's downright criminal. But despite all this stress, 
and all the COVID stuff. Taylor Cayley was a 29-year-old girl. She was uh, out there in San Diego having a good time at work, thriving, you know. And she was planning her 30th birthday party. And she was out a planning session with one of her best friends about what they were going to do for the big 3-0. And she came out of the front door and uh, this man fell from top of the building, apparently suicidal, and uh, killed her, you know, just killed her instantly. He was in his uh, late 20s. She was almost 30. Kaylee was pronounced dead at the scene. The fool that jumped lived on, you know, had to go to the hospital. He died later, but... He had to suffer for a few more days. Bruce Andrew Roberts, uh, this is a Sydney fella. He collected boxes. He collected uh, broken things, old equipment that did not work, non-functioning oscilloscopes, reel-to-reel players with uh, no motion. But he also had a mummified corpse in his home. Now, he had a bit of a mental issue. And being a recluse, wasn't like many people were going to see it. But none of the neighbors had seen Mr. Roberts for a week. And they usually see him, you know, out cussing, getting into the car. He rides up to 7-Eleven. Well, authorities easily found uh, his body on the welfare check when they came in top of a live heater dead for a while a heater helping make things worse now the other person's body was only found a year later when they closed all the escrows of family members and they went to sell the house they found a 39 year old dead person in one of the rooms covered up by a rug a bunch of lime thrown on top of him he had been released from jail in 2002 and was a known criminal. He must have broke into Robert's home and Roberts shot him. The bullet hole in his head matched the size hole that Roberts' gun would have made in Snellman's head. Perhaps they should have shot another bullet through it just to make sure, you know. Parallel uh, courses, I I wonder how time affects the body. Well, anyway, Roberts just closed the door on him for the last 15 years. And I did have about 70 of those air freshener trees and car vent things thrown around the room. Now, you know, Christmas is some time that you like to watch children unwrap holiday gifts and when your kids look up at your at your wife and they say, why is uh, mommy wearing sunglasses inside? Well, William Wallace had killed Zizel, the mom. And he'd sat her up on the couch because he wanted the kids to have Christmas morning with her. And this had all happened on Christmas Eve. Wallace had beaten her to death after an argument the night before. I wonder if any, uh, you know, eggnog 
took any part in it. When Wallace uh, called 911, 911, he called them uh, 9:30 on Christmas morning, after the kids, you know, had done their presents and everything. And he claimed that she had injured herself, uh, needed quick medical attention. He later claimed that he honestly thought she was still alive when he'd set her up on the couch and put those sunglasses on her. He only realized the uh, horrific truth later that morning, just before you fellas asked about it. There's a lady back in Texas named Karen McBride. Now, Karen McBride was a new bride. And she was trying to update her married name in April 2021 at a Texas DMV. But instead, the 52-year-old woman found out that uh, she was a wanted felon from Oklahoma. The Cleveland County District Attorney's Office broke uh, this shocking news to her. McBride had been charged with a felony, embezzlement, for failing to return a Sabrina the Teenage Witch VHS tape that she had rented in 1999 from an Oklahoma video store. McBride didn't like to think of herself as a cook. She thought of herself more as a McDonald's fast food character that never came to be. The bride, you know. Maybe Mr. Moon could fight with the Hamburglar for her hand, and Ronald would show up with some flowers and... Uh, Alla Brutus and Popeye win the day. Now McBride was very confused because she did not remember ever renting the tape. And she didn't even like the show or have a memory of watching the show ever. She soon realized that uh, it was a young cousin of hers that had rented it while they were together. And she had taken it home with her and that's why McBride had forgotten about it. She'd noticed for several years that uh, weird things would happen, like losing jobs or people asking her questions about her past. Well, apparently they were doing uh, research online and otherwise. Some employers had found notice of this felony. When John Eisman heard that... Uh, his teenage daughter had been sold into a Seattle sex trafficking ring in October 2020. He found and rescued her, just like that dude from uh, Star Wars, you know. It had a special talent, finding people, killing them, you know. The, uh, Andrew Sorensen was the boyfriend. Now, he had... Uh, taken Mr. Eisenman's daughter, apparently, tracked her down, sold her into slavery, slavery, slavery. I don't think he had any receipts to prove it or any income, you know, to hand over to Mr. Eisenman, which was probably worrying him greatly. Eisenman told police he was uh, probably under the influence of methamphetamines. This was his excuse right after... Uh, it came to light that not only was Andrew Sorison, her apparent boyfriend, not guilty of anything and had a rock-salad alibi, but uh, also Mr. Eiserman didn't have a daughter. 
in the real world. And he put this on the methamphetamine abuse. It's interesting. The uh, death of this guy, Daniel Halsey, it was really horrible. His 45-year-old father was disturbed, uh, was stabbed 70 times. And then they folded his body up and put it in a sleeping bag and then sat that on fire and then threw some old tires on top of it. Most disturbing, however, was that his own daughter was the one that had killed him with the help of her boyfriend. Vegas police found the charred corpse on April 9th. 2021, in fact, readying uh, for a big, big investigation. You know, they were going to get that CSI unit out there, the one that has a dominatrix friend. They were stunned, man. They found an incriminating video by the killers. Uh, they'd made it themselves, you know, to show off and brag. And welcome back to our YouTube channel. Day three after murdering somebody. And that was the third day after he had murdered uh, that other person. So that's disturbing. And that's a criminal shame. Back to you, PQ. Oh, yes. Uh, the criminals and the criminal mind. Um, God. Uh, I've been watching the uh, Dahmer series on Netflix. And it's... it's it's intense and oh boy just this poor guy i mean the victims yes i i yeah i'm not saying the, not having empathy for the victims but this poor guy i mean yes this is a criminal mind but seeing all the background and some say that this is trying to mitigate it or make excuses but no it's to try to understand how this occurs because any human being is both horrified and curious why what would make somebody do this and the end of it is a very warped form of loneliness, apparently, uh, to serial killers in general. And and the creepiest thing about serial killers is, uh, and I've mentioned this, uh, it, it's one of my little pet theories. Um, if we look at the number of people reported missing and then never reported found in the United States per year it fluctuates between half a million and a million now this is people who are reported missing now a lot of people come back or they took off and you know they're not really missing as well as the serial killer uh, pattern of some it has been said is to try to pick people that no one would miss homeless people and such like that so when you combine all the factors uh, let's just say 200,000 people in the United States disappear really disappear and are never found again every year that leaves 
a lot of um, targets. And yes, some people, you know, they, they drive off into a lake and nobody ever finds them and things like that. But I have this feeling. You call me crazy. But there are numerous people out there who are carefully, methodically doing what they do. Yeah, it's something to think. <laughs> Cheerful thoughts for your November. Yeah, November has started. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, is it cold there? Boy, it, it, it's almost a free. It went from like warm days to almost freezing. And today it was warm, but windy, windy and warm. Ah, that's a Doc Watson song I like quite a bit. And, uh, yeah, I'm digressing quite a bit. So we should hand the floor over to someone who stays focused. Oh, the host of the ongoing series sermons, our very own Dave in Kentucky. Thanks, PQ. You know, there was this guy named uh, Beria. He was the head of uh, Stalin's secret police. And he said, supposedly, Show me the man, and I'll show you the crime. Well, the Soviet Union no longer exists, thank God, <laughs> or thanks to the gods, the Anunnaki gods or whoever, but that doesn't mean the statement is no longer true. There's a group called the Rutherford Institute that keeps track of all the crimes that we commit or can commit, potential crimes we could commit, and they estimate that the average American commits three felonies a day, mostly without knowing it. And I'm sure that probably holds true for any other um, English-speaking people who might be listening. This Rutherford group lists some examples of what might get you locked up in the U.S. Um, one was letting your kids play at a park unsupervised which, oddly enough, I, I confessed to recently on, on um, I think, the last Central episode that I did. Although PQ did give me absolution on that one, which I appreciate. But somehow I don't think the P in PQ stands for Pope. Growing vegetables can be a crime, too, depending on where you live. And uh, I recently posted some self-incriminating evidence of growing and cooking veggies on the OnSug Discord channel, which you ought to check out if you haven't yet. It's uh, There's a link on the on the right of, of the OnSug page. Another example they gave was holding Bible studies in the privacy of your own home. And, uh, you know, I do Bible studies. PQ pointed that out. That he pointed out that my sermons are actually more like Bible studies, and he's right about that. But I don't, I don't have people over to my house to do those episodes. But I'm pretty sure that posting Bible studies on the internet could be an even more severe violation than uh, hosting them in your own home. See, that would make it a federal crime, um, you know, because the internet crosses state lines. Now, I'm not sure why, but for some reason, federal crimes are considered more serious than state crimes. <laughs> you know, you, you hear, uh, don't make a federal case out of it, man, or you used to hear that anyway. 
But I'm thinking, um, you know, that that's more of a comment about the reaction to the crime rather than the seriousness of the crime itself. You know, like the, like the January 6th insurrection. <laughs> Possibly the only unarmed insurrection in history, or at least the only unarmed armed insurrection in history. I mean, I hear them say that it's an armed insurrection all the time. Um, but they, they were not armed. I mean, they were, they were less armed than the people who stormed the Bastille and they mostly had just pitchforks and shit. <laughs> Probably literal shit on the pitchforks. But, you know, we hear people on the news say that January 6th was worse than 9-11. Uh, maybe worse than Pearl Harbor. You know, which is an insult when you think about it to all those people that died on, on those two, uh, dates that live in infamy. <laughs> the truth is that not only does January 6th not belong on a list of the worst attacks on America, it doesn't even rank very high on a list of attacks on the Capitol building. It's certainly no higher than number three on that list. Um, number two, in my opinion, is the, the bombing. We're going to have a little short countdown here. <laughs> Number two is the bombing of the Capitol by the weathermen in 1971. You know, the weathermen uh, were a splinter group off of the Students for a Democratic Society, probably named after um, uh, that line in the Bob Dylan song. Um, you, you, you don't need a weatherman to know which way the wind blows or something like that. They They were also referred to as the Weather Underground, which is different from the uh, the Weather Underground website, by the way. I couldn't believe they named that that. Uh. But anyway, on this weatherman attack, fortunately, this bomb that they set uh, went off during the off hours, so they didn't kill anybody. They only caused property damage. But, you know, number one... Number one was in 1954 when there were four Puerto Rican nationalists, um, three men and one woman, um, that opened fire. They, they were up in the visitor's gallery of the House of Representatives and they wounded five congressmen on the House floor. They had guns, the, the, the Puerto Ricans did, not the congressmen. But the January 6th people didn't have guns. And the cops had opened the doors on January 6th and waved them into the building, almost led them around on a guided tour. Some of them did. The, the, the people who stormed the Bastille had a similar experience. I found this little bit um, in a Wikipedia article on the um, storming of the Bastille. I'll read it to you. Around 1.30 p.m., the crowd surged into the undefended outer courtyard. A small party climbed onto the roof of a building next to the gate to the inner courtyard of the fortress and broke the chains on the drawbridge. Uh, soldiers of the garrison called to the people to withdraw, but amid the noise and confusion, these shouts were misinterpreted as encouragement to enter. Gunfire began, apparently spontaneously. Must have been Michael Byrd. Turning the crowd into a mob. 
the crowd seems to have felt that they had been intentionally drawn into a trap and the fighting became more violent and intense. You know, it sounds a lot like January 6th, except all the right-thinking people, <laughs> or maybe I should say all the left-thinking people, would say that the French revolutionaries were fighting for democracy, you know, for liberty, equality, and fraternity, <laughs> which are incompatible with each other, by the way. And the January Sixers were fighting against democracy because they were election deniers. You know, like practically everybody else who ever lost a close election. Like Hillary Clinton in, in 2016, or, or the Al Gore supporters in 2000, or um, that black lady down in Georgia, I forget her name. She still thinks she's the real governor down there. And I guess we'll find out since she's running again. But I'll let you in on a little secret. There's fraud in every election. Stalin understood that it doesn't matter who votes or how many vote. What matters is who counts the votes. And when, I would add, because I don't like this system of, you know, the more rural areas, the sparsely populated areas reporting their results first, you know, simply because they get done counting first because they don't have as many votes to count. And these big metropolitan areas getting to report last after they already know how many votes their candidate needs. Everybody needs to report at the same time. And no takebacks unless it's for a general recount. You know, different things are illegal in different locations. I can carry a gun in Kentucky, either concealed or open carry, but either one might be a crime if I went to another state. And um, even if I were allowed to carry in another state, some of my guns might be okay there and some not. You know, my, my, my uh, Glock 43X might be okay since it only holds 10 rounds. That's what the X means. But my Glock 19 might not be since it holds 15 rounds. The magazines I'm talking about, you can add one to those because you can carry one in the chamber. Um, I'd also have to be careful if I went to another state about having a gun in my car. I might be required to lock it in my trunk, um, maybe even have it unloaded and with the magazines in a separate place. I recently thought about buying an AR-15 because um, Bud's, Bud's Gun Shop had a good deal on a Smith & Wesson M&P 15, um, the Sport 2 model. But then I thought about that trip along Route 66 that I want to take in the next few years, and I I thought, you know, I probably won't be able to take something like that along with me at all because there will be at least one state that I would pass through where it's totally illegal and I don't have a safe place to store it here if I'm away for a long time. So I didn't buy it. It just would have been too inconvenient to deal with. And we have to put up with all this inconvenience despite having the Second Amendment, which I'm not here to complain about today. I'm here to complain because some people are so upset 
that the Supreme Court has said that states have the power to make their own laws about abortion. And abortion doesn't even appear in the Bill of Rights. <laughs> you know, people in Kentucky may not want babies being killed. Maybe because a lot of us are old enough to remember the Vietnam War, when being a baby killer was considered to be a bad thing. And you know, even if abortion is illegal in Kentucky, a pregnant Kentucky girl could always go to California where they uphold her right to sacrifice her children to Moloch or, or to the pagan god of her choice, to be a little more inclusive. It can be inconvenient that things that are not crimes in your state might be crimes in another state and vice versa. But I like that a lot better than forcing every state to have the same laws as every other state and then finding out there's no place you can legally do the things you want to do. You know, I might want to swing through Nevada on my way back from the Route 66 tour, visit the Bunny Ranch on my way home, <laughs> maybe play a little poker while I'm there. <clears throat> First poker, then poker, then go back and poker some more. <laughs> Rinse and repeat. <laughs> or wash thoroughly and repeat. That's probably a better idea. Being able to travel to other states with different laws that suit you better is a good thing. Especially since you can't leave the country without taking your damn shots. Or their damn shots, I should say. If you don't like the laws in New York, you can move to Florida. And vice versa, I suppose, although I don't see any big rush in that direction. Now, on the abortion thing, I'm not an absolutist either way. I think a mother has a right to evict an unwanted tenant for a reasonable period of time. But after a couple months, squatters' rights kick in. You know, if you don't know what I'm talking about, back in the old days, especially out west, it wasn't always clear whether a piece of property had been claimed or not. You might go in and clear some land, build a house and a barn, corral, whatever, generally improve the property, and then somebody belatedly notifies you that, hey, they owned that property all along, and you'll have to get off now. Thanks for the house and the barn, by the way. I can use those. So, you know, we came up with... Um, well, our fathers, grandfathers, whatever, came up with the concept of squatter's rights, which required that in order to evict a squatter, you had to notify them within a reasonable amount of time before they had invested all their um, blood, sweat, and tears, time, and energy into, into the land they were squatting on. A pregnant woman's body is kind of like that land and the baby is squatting on it, or in it. <laughs> and if you don't evict it in a reasonable amount of time, before it's conscious, before it can feel pain, fear, and whatnot, it has squatter's rights and can stay until full term. That's my view. See, people on both sides of this issue want to take it too far. Some people want the right to abort right up to the moment of birth, <laughs> or even later. I've heard women tell their kids, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. 
And I think some of them mean it. And on the other hand, people like um, dumb old Lindsey Graham wants to make abortion a federal crime, which totally ignores the reason the court returned the issue to the states. <laughs> He's an idiot. It's like, it's like that old song, clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Well, I don't know, I don't know who I'm stuck in the middle with, but glad to have you here. And now they've got these, uh, red flag laws where you can get in trouble if they even think you might commit a crime. They're using the, the, the pre-crime concept from the minority report, um, the movie and the book. Philip K. Dick, and the thought crime concept from uh, 1984, from Orwell's 1984. And usually they use it for the purpose of denying people the right to own a gun. But I was wondering what they do in countries where they've already taken away the right to own a gun. <laughs> not, not to pick on Doc Slees. I think he's, uh, he's, a, he's a pretty good guy. He's, he's well-intentioned, even if he is an old lefty. But over the past few months, I've heard him express a desire to uh, castrate David Icke, to smother Mike Lindell with one of his own lousy pillows, <laughs> and they are lousy, by the way, Ugh. and to hit aggressive dogs and their owners over the head with a tire iron. <laughs> I don't take him entirely seriously in all of those things, <clears throat> but... Uh, the government might. And since they don't have uh, red flag laws for guns, because they don't need them, <laughs> they just don't let anybody have a gun. Do they, Could they have red flag laws for veterinary equipment, you know, for castration, bed clothes, pit crew paraphernalia, <laughs> like tire irons? I mean... They've already pivoted from gun control to knife control, so there's apparently no limit to their desire to control absolutely everything. Well, except they've quit requiring dog licenses, according to Doc. It's no longer a crime to operate a dog without a license. And he was bemoaning that fact recently, uh, which I don't understand. I, I I just have to say, I don't see how making somebody pay a dog license fee protects anybody, does anything other than uh, line the government coffers, but maybe Doc will explain it someday, or maybe PQ can, so <laughs> I'll go ahead and send it back to him. Dog licenses? I, I don't I think here, to, to, to get a license, your dog has to be spayed. I think they tie it in with something, which makes sense. But just, you know, licensing dogs, per, I, I have no idea. Although the tag also, I, if you're, it's wearing a collar and it gets loose, identifies your animal as not being a stray. Well, it should. I mean, if somebody is determined to get rid of that stray that's in their yard, tearing up their flowers, uh, after they shoot the dog, they can take the collar and the tag off, I suppose. So uh, I don't know that what answer is there in, in this society. And yeah, a lot of truth in that. Uh, I've said it before. I'll say it again. In the history of the world, 
There has never been even a high school election where somebody was moving some votes around for friends or favors. Human nature precludes honest elections and pretending with outrage that's and both sides have been doing it since day one and yeah whoever it may be well true that whoever cheats the most wins the election i can't say but it just there is no solution that comes to mind immediately when you do your intention is to allow as many people to vote as possible, which I people most people don't know. Yes, we had the right to vote at the beginning, but you had to own land to vote, which on a certain level makes perfect sense. Although now we live in a culture where uh, that would really, if we went back to that, uh, all those people who live in cities wouldn't be voting, would they? I guess if you owned a condominium and you owned, but uh, yeah, anybody who rents would not have a legitimate right to vote. Uh, it, it, it's also tricky, and uh, I think even the people who've studied law their whole lives uh, don't necessarily have uh, a ready fix for any of these issues uh, the abortion which I I don't have a womb uh, I'm accountable for my seed I suppose but I in our modern culture uh, once I have allowed my seed out of my body uh, it's no longer under my control, although I could be held accountable to pay for uh, a result uh, for 21 years or so. Uh, that part, I, I, hey, nothing is fair, and uh, expecting anything to be fair is generally a preface to great disappointment, no? <laughs> yes and uh oh I, I and and chad mentioned eggnog before right at the exact second i was chugging uh that it's that time of year i get one qu i keep trying to recapture um in the 80s Chipwitch, which I don't even think exists anymore. It was an ice cream company who made a specific kind of ice cream sandwich and then expanded from that into other projects. And I haven't seen anything Chipwitch, now that I think about it, in over a decade. So they may be history. But Christmas time, they used to make what they called their premium eggnog. And I don't know what was in it, but it was so good. It was so tasty. And I could just sit there and chug this stuff like, oh. And every year uh, here at the market, uh, some brand or other comes out. Uh, or it, it, I guess they choose it from a catalog or uh, who knows. But uh, I had here uh, the Southern Comfort traditional eggnog and meh. No crime there. Ah, yes, and, and we are talking about crime. Uh, speaking of which, uh, yeah, I've been watching Dahmer. I'm almost done with that. You want to talk about crime? Yeah, I, I, I was telling you about that. And uh, I have mentioned uh, just uh, about a month, 
little more ago than that, I finished watching Breaking Bad, which is definitely about crime in a lot of ways, and, and more about lies, though. I think the whole story and, and the whole snowballing of Walter White's experience doesn't have as much to do with crime as lying. And, uh, yeah, they are tied together because of the nature of crime. Most criminals uh, have to lie at one point or another. Has there ever been an honest criminal? Although, uh, it's, it's, it's honesty... You have to give it to Jeffrey Dahmer. He had no guile, really, about the things that he was doing. Uh, That's just... But he had other problems. Let's not... Again, just because you uh, explain or understand a criminal or a criminal act, especially people who do violence to other people, uh, that doesn't at all... Uh, excuse harming people that's just harms bad that, that if that's really that the line of crime is probably harm in my head anyways um anyways i'm just driveling along here and frank nora is awaiting us so uh, let us take a moment and uh here's frank nora so i just did something that could be considered a crime if someone viewed it without context. So what happened was uh, my wife ordered a a relatively expensive item online, but it accidentally autofilled our old address, right? And she didn't realize it, and uh, she hit send, right? And I know this has happened to everyone, the autofill, when you you change, you know, when you get a new address, when you, you know, uh, when you move, sometimes your old address is in there, and it just auto-fills. And sometimes you even, like for example, you might put the right address in and then go to check out and then it says, oh, something, you know, you didn't put the proper whatever code in. You go back to the other screen, then you forget to fix it again. You know, it happens, right? So she called the company and in a very unhelpful manner, they said, there's nothing we can do. You can't cancel the order. We can't change the address. We can do nothing, even though she just placed the order. You know, why so inflexible? I don't know. So... You know, we have, it's a, it has tracking, and our old address is really just, you know, right down the street. That's my old place, you know, where the Overnight Escape Studio 2 was. We lived from, uh, what, 2006 to 2019, something like that. Yeah, like 13 years there. And, uh, but we really, we, but, you know, we didn't actually meet the people that bought it at, at the closing or anything because of COVID. So we really don't know them at all. We might still know a few people there. But, uh, you know, we didn't know, like, to call, we, we're not friends with them to call them up. Oh, if you get our package, let us know, you know. So as my wife, Denise, was was tracking it, she saw that it was delivered at, like, 1.04 p.m. And I she called me right afterwards. So I went down there just to grab the package. But at the same time, I wanted to be mindful of the appearance of it. Because all over this country, and even in here, this is my town of Nutley, New Jersey, the idea of people stealing packages off people's porches has been a big issue. It was a bigger issue a couple of years ago, but it's still happening, right? And I wanted to make sure, though, what I was doing was completely justified and legitimate. I wanted to make sure that no one perceived me as stealing a package off of the porch, right? So I had to figure out how to approach the issue, right? I was thinking, if there's a camera there, 
Well, first of all, I think you, just, you, know, you might want to just ring the doorbell and see if there's anyone home and explain, hi, we used to live here, and this is the package, show the label, just wanted to let you know, thank you, goodbye. If there was no one home, right, and I think uh, in this case there, there's a camera at the next door neighbor, I would sort of wave to the camera and say, hi, you know, I'm not, I, I, this is our package, show the label on the camera, just want to let you know. You know, we we we, ha- we we put our old address in the system, yada yada, right? And if in a case of nothing there, you know, I might ring the doorbell, and if no one was there, I would just leave. You know, I, I made an effort. You know, I made some effort to declare my intention as regarding this package, right? And it's weird because there's a lot of gray areas there, right? To you know, like, am I trespassing to get this? I don't think so. Like, you can go up to someone's door to knock on their door. Even if you're, like, handing out pamphlets or something, you know, if you're religion, you can knock on people's doors, right? You, you, it's not trespassing to walk up to someone's door and, and ring their doorbell. It's weird because if, right, it just, it, it all has to do with the the circumstance, right? It, it, it's weird because there's not, like, one size fits all. And that's the point. There's not, like, one, there's an intention behind the various laws. And then there's all our traditions and our, ethics and mores and so crime is a very complicated topic as it so happened <laughs> i walked up i think it was the first time i was up there since i sold the place i walked up saw the package there picked it up and luckily i looked i i just glanced in and someone was sitting there on what would have been my my couch in front of the tv when i lived there uh this this uh, young guy was sitting there so i waved i waved at him and he came, he came out in the balcony, you know, the overnight skate porch. He doesn't even know he has the overnight skate porch. Come on. Well, the, the, no, the overnight skate balcony is what that was called back then. Remember the overnight skate balcony? That was a good one. Much recording was done out there. They don't know how legendary their balcony is. I just sort of said, hey, you know, we used to live here. This package was delivered here by mistake. Just want to let you know I'm picking it up. He's like, okay, thanks. Bye-bye. You know, and that was it. So I satisfied the, right, any concerns about, Right. If anyone was watching from afar, if anyone, you know, they saw me just grab the package and go away. Oh, I'm, it may have been a crime. But if they see me waving and the guy coming out that lives there having a little exchange and then me walking away, they would understand that everything's cool. And even on the camera there, uh, they'll, they could hear the little exchange we had. The guy, and I said, this is our package. And he said, OK, so. <laughs> right. I don't know if anyone else would be so mindful of not appearing to be a criminal even because. I knew what I was doing was completely correct, even though, again, it's a bit of a, an, a, a personal space invasion uh, to do that. But, right, obviously, there's lots and lots. That's the thing that you can't just have. That's why we have judges, right? There's no, no law is absolute. You have to sort of interpret it and figure it out, right? It's, it's, nothing is simple when these things happen, you know. But, yeah, crime, the whole concept of crime, we're sort of brought up in this society to understand like uh, you know and and, and one thing they say is uh, ignorance of the law is no excuse for violating it that's that's a good one so what you have to become familiar with all the laws that are ever written but it is something you have to learn but I think you you learn by example as a kid you know you have your toys and if, if your brother or sister like takes your toy without your permission you get upset like that's my toy why are you taking it from me i want to play with it why are you playing with it? it's my toy you know that's that's considered theft of private property and a lot of crimes and laws are all related to the human condition right that each of us is ultimately a 
mind, a consciousness operating a body in some unknown way, as I've talked about so much. It's, 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 there's no answer to how we got here or what we're doing. We don't really know. But um, there's certain things about you know, how we operate, right? Um, we take up space. And that's, that's like the main thing. We, each of us takes up space. And, you know, we need to sort of respect each other's space, and, right? That's the basic thing. Um, each of us is in a very precarious situation because we're uh, subject to injury and death. And uh, all of us are. And we also spend one third, one quarter to one third of our life in an unconscious state, in a prone state, right? So we all sort of have these, these disadvantages. So clearly... Um, people can, uh, to injure someone deliberately or to kill someone deliberately is the basic crime, the most severe crimes, right? Assault, battery, murder, right? Manslaughter, whatever. Hurting another person, killing another person. That's the main thing. So like that's, if you want to just cut it down to the, the most severe crimes and it's just, right, every single person right is very fragile in a lot of ways like our our the body that we're connected to and we don't know what happens after we die right it, some injuries are permanent a loss of a limb or an eye or something they never grow back for humans some animals do but you know like these types of things like we're all subject to these and other people can cause us injury or harm or death and that is sort of like the a basic concept of that is like right because it, anyone could do it to anyone else, pick up a knife, pick up a gun, whatever, pick up a, a hammer or a frying pan or something. You could just, right, it, anyone could commit violence on anyone else. And uh, this is, I think, sort of the most important thing that our society has to sort of control through various means, right? And, uh, and having laws and considering them crimes for which you will be punished if you commit those crimes, is uh, necessary in the in the case that people aren't necessary. If people were naturally completely peaceful, hey Romeo, Romeo the cat is here. Hi Romeo. Romeo. Kitties. Romeo. Hi, Romeo. It's very sad to see these solitary outdoor cats and their owners aren't really paying them much attention as far as I can tell. And uh, here he is crossing the road, a very dangerous street. People speed down the street all the time. Anyway, let's go back to crimes. Um, No, careful. Oh, my God. There's a car coming. No, 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 no. Run, run. Oh, God. Look how fast this person's coming down. Look at this. Ridiculous. People speed down the street all the time. It's supposed to be 25 miles an hour. <clears throat> well, that brings up another aspect of crime, which is that there's so many laws out there. And there was even an article about this. I forget where I read it. There's so many laws that everyone is committing essentially felonies all the time. There's all these, biz- like there were these bizarre cases of People like business. Like if a business imports a piece of wood or buys a piece of wood that's on a list, they can go to federal prison. And just the just the explosion and the numbers of laws 
right? As we've established, laws are necessary because, as I was trying to get to before the cat came, right? Human beings are not, if human beings were naturally completely peaceful and passive and would never, ever even think of harming another person, you wouldn't need the kind of laws about assault and battery and murder and things like that, right? But unfortunately, people do. Um, it, I mean, there's crimes of passion, and, you know, if you're very angry at another person, you could just slap them or punch them, you know, which happens, unfortunately, all the time. Humans are very violent unfortunately, as, as a seemingly a, a core aspect of their nature, our nature, <laughs> I guess I'm, yes, I'm human, uh, you know, and, and um, of course, we're all human here on this, on this plane of existence. Anyway, are we all, are there any androids or vampires or people from the future or gods or goddesses or all sorts of alternate beings walking around and we don't even know? That's a whole other topic, though. Uh, alternate beings. I don't know if that's a good one. But anyway, you know what? <coughs> you know what I'm saying. So it has to do with human nature and the human condition, right? Um, but for example, speeding is is a crime, right? If you get a speeding ticket, it's a crime, but it's not considered like a serious crime. It's not like a felony. I think that they call it like you know they say crimes and misdemeanors, right? Because the way that they set the speed limits, right, it sort of feels like common knowledge that if the speed limit's like 65, you know, you can easily go 70. They're never going to – they could pull you over, but they usually wouldn't pull you over for going like five. That's I don't know why I think that, but that's sort of like a, a rule of thumb. Like if you're driving and you're a few miles above the speed limit, even on these local streets, I try to drive very – you know, I'll, I'll drive 25, but if I go 27, 28, I, I'm like – I'm not going to like go crazy trying to stay under 25, but I'm not going to – once I hit about 30, I'm going to be like, okay, this is a residential neighborhood. Let me calm down a bit. But I'm committing a crime, right, theoretically, or I'm committing a misdemeanor, whatever you call it. Like, I am committing a crime. And then in New York City, for example, is jaywalking. Like, I, I don't think they – I think they stopped giving jaywalking tickets. Like, if you – you know, if, if, you, cross, if you cross when it's like the, the hand is – you know, when it says don't walk and you walk, technically you're committing an offense, right? But – it, as you see other people doing it and you don't see anyone and you don't hear about anyone getting um, penalized for it, they're not giving out tickets for jaywalking, you know, crossing a block mid-block in New York City. Everyone does it. And it, so it's funny because, right, it's not just the letter of the law. It's sort of um, the common understanding of it. So we seem to be, you know, understanding that there's laws and that, you know, there's regulations and everything else, but you model your behavior after sort of a common knowledge or a common wisdom, right? Um, now, of course, I think the laws should be more in accord with what the enforcement is doing. And I think this is another issue, which is that, um, you know, we have, two, we have three branches of government related to, to laws and crimes and enforcements and things like that, right? We have the executive, executive branch, which is law enforcement, which is uh, making sure people follow the law, and if they break the law, to punish them in some way. Uh, then we have uh, the, the um, legislative branch, which creates the laws, right? And then, of course, the, ju ju the judicial branch, which interprets the laws, as I said. not um, it's, it, Though the laws are written down, in many cases there's, uh, you know, 
a lot of gray areas and unexpected situations. I remember, for example, um, you know, like zero tolerance policies. Like, uh, I remember there was a there's a kindergarten like in this school. They had a zero tolerance policy for guns, right? And that was written down somewhere, um, which you might say, well, that's you know, um, a good law. A little kid shouldn't be bringing guns to school, but. You know, and you might say if someone brought in a toy gun that looked realistic, obviously that is not good and that should be a violation of the policy. But there have been cases where uh, children bring in little Lego figurines. The, the little figurine has a little gun and they'd be suspended for bringing a gun in because the law says there's no guns. Even to the point that a, uh, a kids make a gun with their fingers. You know, you point your index finger out, then you put your, your thumb up, even though... The the thumb down would be more like a gun, but and go bang, bang, you know, as playing on the playground. That was interpreted as as being a gun in the zero. And they were suspended. And, you know, again, that's where some common sense has to come into it. And this is something that I feel uh, I, I, I see and hear about all the time. Right. There's rules in workplaces. There's rules in general society. Right. In in schools. And right. The idea is that. Who, who made the rule? There's a reason why they made this rule or this law, right? There's some backstory to it, right? Um, and again, in every circumstance, in every situation, there are ex- weird exceptions, edge cases, circumstances that require a, a degree of judgment, right? And I find that, I mean, just to put it plainly, people that are less intelligent they don't they can understand a rule but they don't necessarily understand the intention or the spirit of behind the rule they just know the rule they're not really understanding why the rule was made and, un- and unfortunately unfortunately in human activities right you you need to understand why the rule is there and why it was made and uh apply it with uh circum- the, the circumstances um in order, you know, you need to be a little bit flexible. Like a, again, a teacher shouldn't suspend a, stu- a student for putting their f- their hand into a gun and go bang bang. You know, like that. Th- to me, at least, I mean, from my experience in school, that should be considered harmless. You know, um, it's not a gun. You know. Anyway, so the idea of. Um, you know, uh, these branches of government that create the laws, enforce the laws, and interpret the laws, right? If um, the legislative branch creates laws, they are then kind of depending on the executive branch to enforce those laws. But as it seems, in many cases, right, there are simply not enough law enforcement resources to enforce the laws in all cases. Case in point, speeding. Everyone speeds... Everyone goes faster than the speed limit. It's not unsafe on the highway where the speed limit is 65 to go 70 miles an hour, in my opinion. Um, if you're going to go 90 miles an hour, 95 miles an hour, then, which you see people driving like maniacs all the time, um, you know, those are the people that should be pulled over. Certainly, you know, there's police cars on the, st- the roads, and uh, most people that drive 100 miles an hour get away with it, you know. So it's just super selective. It's sort of, in that case, it's sort of like this random chance. 
you know, you could get pulled over. You have a chance of getting pulled over. So I understand in that case it's to try and keep some kind of order on the roads, right? You being that enforcement is like impossible really, even to the point that um, – and then of course, right, people that are friends of police officers or people in high positions that they get pulled over, the police can – not give them a ticket, just give them a warning on their discretion. So there's a lot of unfairness in the system. For example, right, when they introduced electronic uh, tolls, because here in New Jersey we have toll roads, the parkway and, and, and the turnpike, right, which they're re- using a system called Easy Pass here. It has different names in different parts of the country. I forget what it was in Tennessee or Atlanta. Peach Pass, it was called in Georgia, right? The Peach Pass. Um, you might think that they're detecting your your signal. Your bat. You have a little box that's like an RFID thing that they detect when you went through with a timestamp when you went through the uh, the turn. The, you know the, the the toll gate, right? And some of them aren't even gates anymore. They just have these scanners that just scan your car. Some of them, like in New York, they have tollless, and then they just uh, they'll send you a bill in the mail. You know, if uh, uh, if if you don't have Easy Pass, they'll just send you a bill um, in order so they don't have to pay people to be toll takers. Anyway, you might think that because they have timestamps of each and the distance between the toll plazas, they would know if you're speeding. They could give everyone speeding tickets, but they don't, right? So there, this does present. Uh, a question, you know, if you have now the capability, because you don't have to have Easy Pass, you could still go up to those toll plazas in Jersey, for example. You can still pay cash, right? So if, and they want people, they want people to use Easy Pass because they can have much less toll takers and have much less of a payroll. If they were sending speeding tickets, because they know you're speeding, because they know if you go from point A to point B, right? They know you're going faster than 65 miles an hour, right? If they started sending speeding tickets, everyone would just cancel their easy pass and be like, you know what? It's a pain to pay pay cash at the toll, but you know what? I don't want to get these speeding tickets because in New Jersey, every speeding ticket you get gives you points on your license. And if you get like 12 points, you lose your license, right? And yes, lawyers and judges, you can hire a lawyer and the judge will do this, that, and the other. But anyway, it's a whole thing. So, even though they could enforce the law, I, they have. I'm, this is my imp- interpretation. They've decided to not inf- enforce that law because, uh, f- first of all, people would opt out. You can't, f- you know, unless you could force everyone to have this thing in their car. Um, you could, um, you would, uh, you know, people would opt out of it. Obviously, getting speeding tickets would be far more expensive and far more dangerous to your life. Losing your driver's license, right? It's worth it to go pay the toll in cash. Also, all those people that would get off because they know a cop or they are a cop, but they're, they're off duty, or even the police cars themselves. You know, they, I don't think they're supposed to be speeding unless they're going to an emergency or something. So it, it, this is a good example of like there's crimes, but the enforcement is very uneven and very weird, right? And as, the, as, as we see... Right. The legislative branch being irresponsible. For example, we talk. There's a huge issue of the southern border of the United States. Right. 
there's laws that have been passed by the U.S. Congress about who can come in, when they can come in, every, and everything else. The fact of the matter is there is, there is nowhere near the amount of, aid, of uh, in office, officers, uh, in, in immigration officers, to, to uh, be able to stop everyone coming over the border, right? So these are all the things you've heard about, oh, Donald Trump is putting people in cages, this and that. The thing is, because th- it's so overwhelming, the amount of actual potential crimes happening to the l- less enforcement, right, that the executive branch of government, in this case the f- federal executive branch, headed by the president of the United States, uh, they ca- that's why, like, a, a President Trump can uh, direct law enforcement to focus their resources on certain types of offenses and a, a President Biden can change his directives. They can't make laws, but since right, there's nowhere near enough resources to enforce the law completely, they're free to choose where to uh, place you know, their enforcement resources, right? which get, now is giving them power that they shouldn't have, right? Like the executive branch is essentially making laws when they shouldn't be because they're presented with a plethora of laws, limited law enforcement resources, and then they can um, apply those resources as they see fit, right? That's a dangerous situation. And we also have seen a similar legislative irresponsibility in terms of the power of the Supreme Court, right? Instead of actually passing laws that represent the will of the people, they're allowing, for example, the Supreme Court to come up with interpretations rather than them making actual laws. Like, for example, with the immigration stuff, the United States Congress is absolutely able to make laws related to immigration and change those laws if needed, right? But they haven't. And I do remember um, Donald Trump saying that uh, he called on the Congress to reform their laws if they don't agree with how he's enforcing it. Well, you're the ones making the laws, and he is literally enforcing the laws, right? And uh, they haven't changed the laws as far as I know. You know, they, it just hasn't happened. So I think in a lot of cases, there's, there's issues. So these are crimes that are now being selectively enforced, and that feels very unfair, obviously, it's selectively enforced because of a lack of enforcement uh, resources. <coughs> you know, and it's, again, it's a very inexact science in general anyway. But um, a whole other aspect of crime is how it is, has become an utter obsession in our fiction especially and in our entertainment the the uh, focus on crime and crime related things is to me feels uh odd and weird uh, for example um was it oxygen women's television network right used to have shows that were aimed towards women you know like a variety of different shows but they switched over completely a few years ago to true crime documentaries right whole channels that each episode just describes a real-life crime, interviewing the police, interviewing the victims, showing footage from the interrogation room. And I've read articles about this that um, 
women especially are absolutely fascinated by by crime uh, and and we see for example the the sopranos for example that's a, that's a good example of a of a show about or an organized crime family and the ins and outs of what they do <coughs> people are just fascinated by it and something i find also that just really has gone way overboard is the societal obsession with serial killers and recently there was a jeffrey dahmer tv show on netflix which i did not watch but apparently it was one of their biggest shows ever uh, the obsession with crimes and serial killers and the interpretation of of this is that people resent the restricted lives they lead and admire those that can uh um living lives where they're above the law or they're ignoring the law, right? They they are fascinated by the transgressions that maybe they themselves feel so um, unfree and so restricted. And they said women especially have this feeling that watching TV shows about people committing crimes, right, is uh, a way of almost fantasizing about having more freedom in a weird way the admiration for serial killers and fascination with serial killers. These are people that, though these laws exist, they decide to transcend the laws, and people are fascinated by that. So this, is this, this huge cultural obsession with crime is something I, I, I find unfortunate. You know, again, I think it is human nature, and it's, you know, people that are making movies and TV shows, like they just, I'm, they've tried every kind of TV show, and... They see what the ratings are. It just so happens that crime-based shows, not just f- true crime, but actually TV shows where there's the crime of the week, right? So many shows. Like, for example, now I'm watching, going back and watching Remington Steel, an 80s, uh, you know, essentially procedural detective show. A crime is committed, someone is killed, and you have to find out who done it, right? A classic who done it kind of thing. But it really necessitates every single week on this show, which is about 45 minutes when you figure in the commercials, someone is killed or multiple people are killed. There's an investigation at the end. They find out who did it and it's all neatly wrapped up, right? And then next week it's on to the next victim. And uh, it's interesting to note that um, Twin Peaks, the TV show, which had two seasons, 90 and 91, and then came back in 2017 with the third season and there was the movie Fire Walk With Me I think in 92 or 93 Uh, if you know the show you know it's all very weird it takes place in Washington State and there's this supernatural stuff and it's who killed Laura Palmer this and that and though the creator of the show David Lynch and Mark creators Lynch and Frost Mark Frost never came out and said it um, there's this video online this guy really reverse engineered and figured out Twin Peaks and I believe his his explanation is completely accurate in its in its broad strokes is that this was a a commentary upon and a criticism of the murder of the week genre and the intention was you would never find out who killed Laura Palmer but that the uh, sorry I paused there for a second what was I talking about that uh, yeah. Anyway, Twin Peaks was sort of 
commenting on that, how unhealthy it was to create a victim, a murder victim, and a perpetrator, and then have it all tied up neatly and almost like, you know, like as a form of entertainment, right? You're creating a person that has to die, and you're creating a person that's a murderer, right? And I know you could say it's just all innocent, it's a little whodunit, this and that, but there is something really unhealthy about that. And it was re- it's really not, um, you know, it's not good. And again, it's sort of this fascination with crime. And then beyond just sort of a deep down yearning for freedom and seeing uh, freedom, you know, the characters that have freedom are the criminals that just, yes, there's laws, but they just don't follow the laws. They violate the laws. What, come what may, they're sort of more free. Interestingly, there's other characters like um, Anne of Green Gables is a novel based in, uh, you know, Prince Edward Island in Canada. And she was like an orphan that also didn't follow the rules. She didn't commit crimes, but she was she kind of just did her own thing. She was someone that we can talk about the trickster archetype. She was in that archetype, which led her that book to be enormously popular in like Korea and Japan, where people live very restricted lives, right? Not just from the laws, but from the from the culture. And so they admire a character that can tra- uh, uh, violate norms and traditions. Though, right, in this case, someone's doing, you know, doing their own thing and being free, not hurting other people. They should be able to do that. They're not able to do it in their own lives. They admire characters that do it. And in China, there's Journey to the West with uh, the, the monkey, the monkey king who also represents that kind of character. And I think, as I commented, the Andy Kaufman situation that was a big part of this, uh, my, my show, for a certain period of time, I did wind up concluding that a lot of people were fascinated by Andy Kaufman because he also represented that trickster archetype. Again, not committing crimes, but wasn't following the rules. And people really admired that. You know, uh, tra- Transgressive behavior is admired. I remember Doc Slee's when we did some shows about horror films, the monsters, the vampires and stuff were admired because of their transgressive qualities. And that really extends to um, representations of just actual human-level crime, organized crime, serial killers, etc., really strikes a nerve in people, which is just, it's very strange. It's um, quite a... Uh, bizarre aspect like you might think if everyone is yearning for so much freedom um, I don't know but I think some people are yearning for the freedom to do what they want attack other people kill other people right there was those movies that I did not watch but they're called The Purge where they suspend all laws for one night and you can go out and murder and kill and you know, I think like most people, I, w- I would just, uh, you know, seal myself off in a, in a vaulted room, you know, in a, a, a panic room with that, on that night. I didn't want to be killed. But I think the idea is that most people would want to go out and commit crimes. They, and this is where I really have to question, um, you know, the, we don't know truly if people, like I feel that there are people that have a moral compass that, believe in right and wrong and understand um, you know other people you know those other people are just trying to live their life 
and that you should respect other people and be kind to other people, be gentle and forgiving, right? All these kind of qualities. I do feel largely that kind of philosophy, peace and love and kindness, um, if at all possible, right? That those are things I care about, but am I in the minority? Like, would most people, are they just sort of like these powder kegs ready to go off? They would love to assault and murder and hurt people if they just could. Is that really the case? How many people, and I understand young men specifically have kind of a built-in tendency towards uh, destruction and violence, which you might say is a, you know, a, uh, an aspect of our situation here. How, however, we came to be here through evolution or creation that, you know, people being in competition, people and groups of people being in competition for resources, right, kind of depend on the violence or potential violence to sort of maintain order in some ways, right? Like, why don't you just walk into this village and steal all their food? Well, because, you know, those amongst them that are capable, the most capable of meeting out violence, the young men especially, would attack you. If you walked into a village and started stealing their food, well, they would kill you, you know? <coughs> you know, and we see what are, you know, in wars and things, <coughs> who are they recruiting? It's the young men that are bit recruited to do the violence, you know. And yet, also, seemingly built in, there's a tendency towards mayhem, violence, um, destruction of property, and those types of things in young men, which does mellow out as time goes on. Um, but you might say it's sort of a built-in thing, which is kind of worrying and disturbing uh, at the same time. But I think it's interesting as far as crime goes to look back at some of the uh, the founding documents of this country, the United States, and just kind of uh, the Declaration of Independence and the uh, Constitution, where they, they, they try and establish uh, broad guidelines for the justifications for the laws that are made. So... Declaration of Independence, uh, second paragraph starts off, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, and among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That, this, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Right. So I understand that they wrote this while there were still slaves, yada, yada, whatever. But anyway, beyond that, the nature of this is that they're saying that, you know, there's a self-evident. You don't have to prove this, that all men are created equal, and they, are, and they have certain unalienable rights. Um, and I remember there's a concept of natural law, which is sort of laws that have to do with the, uh, you know, what are endowed to us by a god or a creator, right? But it's very interesting that the ones they list are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So basically that you're not murdered, right? Your life is the most important thing, as I started off saying, you know, that you have the right to live and not have someone come murder you. Uh, liberty, right? So the idea that you can have the freedom to do what you want with your life and then 
the pursuit of happiness, which is really um, <coughs> perhaps of those three is, is the hardest to kind of pin down. But basically everyone is trying to figure out what they want to do um, and seek out happiness, satisfaction with life, things like that. And that's kind of the framework under which the laws are made. Um, again, however they've been perverted and over the years, it, I, I would say that the, the spirit of, of a law like that is very important to say, state these things. And then the Constitution starts off, uh, we the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution of the United States of America. So they again are saying, right, um, <coughs> right, establish justice, which is, you know, create a place where there's uh, some degree of uh, you know, that you have to answer for your crimes. Uh, ensure domestic tranquility. That is, you're not constantly in a state state of war. You don't have to hide in your house all the time. You know, you, you, you can live some sort of life which relates to liberty and uh, pursuit of happiness. The common defense, that is, you know, so other countries don't come invade us. General welfare, so that in general people are doing okay. And uh, the blessings of liberty, you know, sort of, again, liberty freedom is, is established here and again I understand that there could be a million different ways of saying how it's cynical hypocritical yada yada but I understand that but basically <coughs> you do kind of have to state these big sketch out the big goals and the big uh, concepts we find ourselves in this circumstance of each of us being tied to one human body living a life that's confusing and weird trying to get along with other people, competing for resources, right, et cetera, et cetera, in some way that, um, you know, people can have some kind of a, some something of a peaceful, satisfying life. <clears throat> Again, understanding that in impl the implementation and the development of these things has gone in so many different directions, but... As they say, you know, what was that thing? Crime does not pay. You know, and wasn't there like a big obsession with crime, like in the forties, with like the G-men, in the, the junior G-men, the, the government agents and stuff. More obsession with crime in the media. Crime. Back to you, PQ. Oh, human beings, at least the ones I. There is something fascinating about transgression indeed uh that's uh, even like very um pious spiritual people it, it their obsession with avoiding such things is gives the whole thing form so to speak um yeah i'm working on seeing season three of twin peaks finally i mean i'm just determined and now uh we have what the paramount uh network uh available in the usa i don't 
at least I wasn't aware that it was available. I can catch up with Star Trek, and you can package it in with a Showtime package that indeed contains that third season. Uh, I mean, I've seen the other parts many times. I mean, like five, six times I have watched through the original Twin Peaks series over the years because it's just, it's good that there was something very uh, palpably different and cool. And, and there was something special. A lot of people like the first season, which was more um, continuous, had more continuity in that second but uh, now there's some great crime TV and uh, it, uh, while Frank was talking I realized superhero comics are basically crime comics I mean Superman started out I mean he was stopping wife beaters and racketeers and government injustice even uh, he was a little bit of a crusader for the little man before he became codified and uh, what's interesting now is uh, it's not so much about crime it's like the Avengers are taking on Thanos and threats to the universe and just um, evil in some personification that's trying to for some specific reason do harm probably to a lot of people as opposed to a bank robber somebody who uh, spider-man that's the interesting part batman or spider-man like in between the big crooks they'll like uh, take down a burglar and even let him go and later on that burglar will have uh, returned the favor for Spidey things like that um, there's a, the Prowler yeah that was a, a villain in the 70s Spider-Man at least I don't know if the Prowler yeah I, I, this, I'm way behind on my spider mythos uh, I have little bits uh after like 1974 or 5 that's about when it all got too it, it was starting to get too knotted up for like like x-men oh up to a point i was following it and then it's just like a soap opera if you weren't hanging on every word and you try to just pick it back up you don't even know what's going on or who these people are who are these people and after superhero comics kind of faded down amid world war ii and it sort of slowly developed into uh crime and true crime comics which was what was used along with the horror comics uh by the mid 50s to um ban and rate comic books uh, comic books were blamed for juvenile delinquency because these crime comics they didn't really glorify the criminal but they were very um, provocative and uh, educative as far as uh, the process of crime and the different sorts of it was kind of a, a an encyclopedia 
of crime to read all of these crime comics. And uh, I've, I've read quite a few of them. I mean, not a lot, a lot, because as many superhero comics as there were, there were more crime comics. I am pretty sure if they did a balancing uh, between 1944 and 1954, uh, there were probably 50 times, uh, 50 crime comics for every superhero comic produced and I feel confident in that because even the small companies were coming out with these true crime and crime and punishment uh, type of comics so yeah and as far as myself and like the violent stuff that you were talking about Frank there is something in me, I assume it's some sort of testosterone that I had when, and yeah, when you're, when I was a young man, you, I, they, it, it, there was, you, you, with your friends, you wrestled a little, you, you, you had contests of strength, and it was like fighting, but nobody, like, nobody was going to break anybody's ribs or break somebody's nose. There was it's not the engagement of that total animal type of thing and there were kids who were i mean once you got them riled up uh, yeah you didn't want to that they they weren't playing so to speak and yeah those uh, a lot of them became soldiers and as long as we are going to have wars we need um soldiers it's like if we're not going to have wars anymore no but human history says uh we're prone at the very least to uh do such things and that that is a crime it's just just, oh that we in all this time have yet to learn to really deal with conflicts without violence yeah that's the big crime and uh yeah i think we can all agree on that point and it's a good place for uh me to stop driveling and get this late episode out to where your ears can hear it and know what we're gonna do next week because uh yeah this is where that part of the whole festivity takes place Next week, well, first, we must, and I do, thank Chad, Dave in Kentucky, and Frank Edward Nora for making this, that this was a fun and cool episode. And, uh, yep, 12 years, 11 of which uh, I have been here almost every week. I've missed one or two over the years, but uh, it's a for somebody who is... Uh, a procrastinator and uh, easily distracted. This odd consistency is kind of a terrifying thing in the middle of everything else. So there's that. Next week on the Overnight Scape Central, here's your invitation. It's another oddball topic, uh, but I figure as far away from whatever may be happening next uh, Wednesday, uh, 
might be a good idea. Next week, the topic is World War II. Yeah, the big one. Uh, What you know about it, what you think about it, uh, maybe some comments on the popular culture, but uh, that's the uh, nut with which we uh, will be forming our creation here next week. And, uh, of course, I would love for you to record something or type something up for me to read and uh, the email address that you will need uh, to participate one way or another. Or if you got comments or want to say hello, the email address is kpqr dot torc at gmail.com and the deadline yeah election day <laughs> uh yeah uh in the evening or early the next morning probably would be good uh the 8th of november 2022 uh and the email address for uh any correspondence is kpqr.torc at gmail.com K-P-Q-R dot T-O-R-C at gmail dot com gets you there. And World War II. It's it's a really big topic. Uh, and it, it, it you can spend an entire lifetime reading the books and the uh, literature uh, and listening and watching and documentaries. I mean, at one point, I think the network is still there. Arts and Entertainment, A&E, was one of the uh, earlier cable networks and when they started they really did try to have like artsy films and documentaries on artists and you know specials with uh, famous entertainers but uh, it rapidly became the Hitler and World War II documentary channel and for many years I mean that was what was shown on the arts an entertainment network. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, I believe, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm done. I'm finished. <laughs> yeah, let's get this thing out to you. Thanks so much for uh, being here. And um, together, once we're done here, let's set the controls for the heart of the fun. <laughs> <laughs>